G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Of course, in recent times, we've been talking about the idea of thinking bigger. And there are some very inspirational stories around that may have the effect of liberating us from what we think is possible into a new level of expectation of what can happen with godly thinking. Now, the latest inspiring project to talk about is happening in Western Australia. Margaret Court, the world's greatest tennis player, the greatest women's tennis player in the history of the whole game, took her winning attitude into Christian ministry in the early 1990s. And she's been leader of Victory Life Church, that has grown to be one of the largest churches in Perth with thousands of members throughout Western Australia and more than 70 churches around the world. And now Victory Life Church has a new big project. They've been given the go-ahead to build a five-story prayer tower as part of a redevelopment. Our privilege today to welcome Pastor Margaret Court back to 2020. Margaret, a special welcome back. Hello, Neil. Nice to be speaking with you again. Uh, Margaret, uh, we've got some wonderful things to talk about today. We should just mention that uh, last time we had a conversation, uh, there were some things that went viral. Uh, We mentioned some words in the conversation that the world's media picked up on, and it led to uh, what might have been one of the more fiery challenges that you've faced in your whole ministry career. Uh, How do you think things have settled uh, since our conversation last time? Well, Neil, uh, you know, I was standing for family and standing for marriage, and I just really said what the Bible said and got myself into trouble. And uh, uh, But, you know, I know the grace of God was on my life uh, to do that. And I think, you know, when I was a a young girl, I was uh, 18 years old. I withdrew from the Australian team because uh, I said, you know, my mum always taught me never to lie. And uh, back then, the president, who has now gone uh, home and died some years ago, um, you know, lied to me, and I withdrew from the Australian team. Well, I got into trouble back then, and the whole of the the nation didn't fully understand what had happened. And I think, you know, people make uh, quick decisions on their feelings or emotions in these times and don't really know the full story of things behind things. And uh, so I think I was well equipped uh, because I'd been through that persecution uh, many, many years ago. And here I was going through it again. And really standing for family. So you stand for what you believe and your values and your morals and, you know, really that is freedom of speech. 
And you know, I love to hear you reflect on that because your career has been so public, but so many of us have experienced that bullying in the schoolyard or the competition that we've faced to get that job or to hold a position. And there's a certain resilience that comes from being in the fiery conflict that really prepares us for when it comes to a time when we might be facing some level of Christian persecution. And there might be an awful lot more people out there well prepared to face persecution than what we might think. What are your thoughts about that? Well, all I know, Neil, is that we we have to be a voice for righteousness and truth and justice and really values and morals. And I must say, over the last year, I've probably had two and a half thousand people or even more just out in the shopping malls or wherever I am, I'm out to dinner, just touch me on the shoulder and say, thank you for being my voice. I couldn't be heard. I never had one person come to me and say, I didn't agree with what you said. And, uh, you know, they weren't people, many of them weren't even Christians as we know Christianity. They're just very good people knowing. I mean, you even had atheists. You had people from all backgrounds and just believing that marriage is between a man and a woman. And, you know, that really encouraged me tremendously. And, you know, we take a biblical foundation for that definition of marriage. And I know there's been a big wedge that's been driven uh, in Australian society. And uh, some people have uh, looked at you as uh, the enemy. And yet, on the other side of it, whenever you go to different places and you have uh, biblical Christians who are acknowledging you, uh, it's like you've uh, probably hit a new sort of a hero, hero and status, uh, in those, in the eyes of those people because, uh, because you have been fearless in speaking out for what is biblical truth. Well, I think too, uh, uh, you know, people uh, made out that you hate gay people and all those things and, you know, I, our, our florists, who we have do, do all our flowers, um, a gay couple, you know, they always call the same, Pastor Margaret, you're our number one hero. They don't, they didn't agree in gay marriage, and they've done our flowers for the last 17 years, and people don't hear or know those things, and, and people out there, and, you know, people have a choice of the lifestyle that they want to lead. And I, I was really just saying what God says in the Bible. And I think, you know, if uh, we're not a voice, it's like uh, an intimidation comes. Uh, I think, you know, they stop people from speaking. Uh, you know, they don't want to really hear about the name of Jesus. It's above every name uh, and Christianity. And I think that we have to take the love of Jesus uh, and marriage and whatever the Bible says, uh, because there's a world out there don't know the truth anymore. The children are not getting it in the schools. There's no Our Father anymore. There's no Ten Commandments anymore. We were taught all those things, not to lie, not to cheat, uh, you know, not to steal. And there's children today that have never even heard the name of Jesus. And, uh, you know, this is what I think it's hard for me, who was brought up with such values and morals and my beliefs and and you see today and in the society in today the children don't even get to hear about God that God created the world and made the trees and the 
uh, it's hard hard to think life's but a wisp, and this this is happening to us today. And we need to hear from spokespeople who have a voice. And as you say, you've got a voice, and you're not afraid to use it. And uh, we're proud of you for that. And look, there's so many things we can talk about, but I want to get a little bit of a focus on this latest project that's happening for your church in Perth. And I introduced our segment today by talking about the idea of thinking bigger. Now, remember when I visited your church just a couple of years ago, around the time of your West Australian state election, uh, that I saw on a uh, a big uh, vision board, I think you'd call it, uh, in the foyer of your church, a picture of what your redevelopment would look like. And at that point, it was really just a vision. Now you've got the green light from the council to build a part of your redevelopment, a five-storey prayer tower. Take us a little bit into what the vision is, what it means, where it came from, Margaret, because this is so exciting. Well, it came, uh, Neil, when originally um, we were starting the church and uh, part of the vision uh, I, I wrote down was to have a prayer tower. And I remember going to Queensland to a, a very apostolic conference was back then. A lot of the leaders right. Uh, across the nation was there, and uh, Reverend Cindy Jacobs was there, and I had never met her, and uh, I was just sitting in the front row. I was one of the speakers at the conference, and she must have asked somebody who was that lady down there, and uh, she walked out and she said, and you will have that prayer tower. And, I mean, I hadn't spoken to anybody about it over, you know, your way, um, she wouldn't have known from anybody or anything. And she said that to me. Well, that's always been there. And at different times, it's sort of come up and it's never been the right time. And uh, I just felt in this last couple of years, we were uh, looking at doing some alterations uh, with our auditorium. And I just started to talk about the prayer tower. It started to get stronger again. And and then different people came through, and a man of God from Indonesia said to me, probably about two years ago, he said, have you built that prayer tower yet? And I thought, I think uh, perhaps God's saying something to me and the Holy Spirit. So uh, that's we started, and so we put the plans in, and uh, it was close going for a while, but it's been passed by council. And, uh, you know, in the end, there was... Only two people out of about, I think, 10 or 12 that were against it. So uh, that is happening, and uh, we're just looking, we believe, by the middle of uh, next year, uh, we'll be starting to put the foundations and everything. So to me, I've, it's always been there. I've been a prayer. Uh, you know, I love uh, prayer. Uh, we will have 20. We already have uh, 24-7 prayer in our church, so... Uh, we're giving birth to it, and uh, I believe it's something for our city and our nation. And, uh, you know, so that that's how it all happened. And I wouldn't be doing uh, what I'm doing today, and uh, you know, without prayer and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something exciting about the idea of having a prayer tower, because, as you say, it, you don't have to have a prayer tower to have 24-7 
prayer happening within your local church. But if you've got a prayer tower and you've got a designated space and it stands head and shoulders above everything else in the area and people driving past know that there is prayer that's going on in that prayer tower, there's something very powerful about the image and the understanding of a people that there are prayers who are at work in that prayer tower. Well, that's right, and we will have a good view even towards the city from that uh, prayer tower. And, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, there's a lot of sick people out there. There's a lot of people on drugs, alcohol, people committing suicide. We get uh, people asking us to pray for all sorts of things. And, you know, it's just not a, a selfish thing for you yourself and uh, people from across the city, other churches connected uh, with us and a part of prayer uh, can use that and uh, so uh, you know it, it has a purpose and uh, just you know the power of prayer I don't think I Neil uh, if I didn't know the power of prayer I don't think I'd be here today and everything that you know I've been through and through sickness in those early years before I became a minister and life wasn't worth living if I didn't know prayer and the power of it how important it is for your own personal life, for a church, for community, for our nation. And uh, it's so, so important to know how to pray the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I think that's something we need to be stirring again tremendously in our nation. You look in a, a nation like Indonesia, uh, they have probably over 100 prayer towers there in, in a Muslim country. Some people are doubtful, aren't they, about the power of prayer. But as you say, when you were going through some impossible circumstances ahead of when you launched into ministry back in the 1990s, and this was really a part of, I guess, something of a calling of God upon you, but you experienced the power of prayer when things looked so bleak, it looked like you weren't going to make it. Just very quickly, take us back for a quick memory of that, Margaret, and even though that might be even painful to do. No, well, it was always... Uh, I always... Uh, from the day I gave my heart to Christ when I was number one in the world in tennis, I had fame, uh, you know, great husband... Uh, in the natural, you thought you you had everything, but I I knew there was God. I knew just in my tennis, my gift. I knew it was from Him. I would speak to Him in my own way, and uh, you know I was. It was in the early 70s, and I I gave my heart to Christ go, going to a meeting with a friend, and you know I knew to be absent from the body uh, was to be present with the Lord. When I said, you know, I believe in my heart that God raised. Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. It was so simple. I used to think I was work, working my way uh, to heaven and uh, you know back in that time and everything I went back into tennis for another probably seven years. Uh, then, then it was after and I had four little children and finished up with a torn valve of a heart depression. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And, uh, you know, life was, I got depressed, torn valve of the heart, all those areas. I didn't know how to get out of the mess I was in. And it wasn't until I started to learn scripture and go to Bible school uh, that my life, which was shipwrecked, was put back together again. But prayer was such a big part of it. And learning how to pray the scripture, uh, learning just to uh, pray in the spirit and uh, just come close to God. 
and and just seek him and you know he's there and his presence and his love and you start to realize he lives within you that the bible is a spiritual book uh, prayer is is very spiritual uh, that heavenly language is very spiritual and uh, you know you're just connecting it all and the presence of god and and it says in the bible the still small voice the unction of the holy spirit it's getting into that place with him and that quietness and hearing his voice and i often laughed because i i didn't have a lot of education and people say well how does the holy spirit uh, speak to you and i say well, he often gives me very big words that I don't know what they mean and I have to look them up in the dictionary. And, uh, you know, he has ways or speaks to me through because having been sport and tennis, you know, running the race, pressing the towards prize, the high calling, the athletic side, he'll, he'll speak to us in a way that really oft, so often relates uh, to our own personal lives and what we know. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, he wants to speak. Uh, he said, let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to know him. He wants us to know him right here and now. That's really what faith is, expecting God to do what he said he'd do in the scriptures and, and knowing him personally through the scriptures because Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. And I often say, Neil, I think that's why the enemy out there and people against Christianity, uh, they don't want us to be a voice of the scriptures uh, because if there's no word of God, there's no light. And light drives out darkness. And God wants light to come back into this nation, this great south land of the Holy Spirit. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our special guest this hour, Margaret Court, and a tennis legend, but who took her winning attitude into serving God with her whole heart in Christian ministry. And, of course, she's the leader of Victory Life Church in Perth. It's one of the largest churches in Perth, thousands of members throughout WA, more than 70 churches around the world, and we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316, to join in our conversation. In fact, Margaret, let's take a call from Tess in Esperance in WA. Hello, Tess. Welcome along. Hello. Tess, we've got you. What are your thoughts? Oh, sorry, I've got um, a little girl running around sort of a bit unhappy right now. but it's We're anyway. happy to be tolerant of your little girl. It's wonderful. Um, I just wanted to say I'm testimony of the initiatives that people like Margaret Court, and specifically Margaret Court and all her... Hi, Tess. I know the name. I know you. <laughs> I know, and I just wanted to say all these things, you know, the, the prayer meetings, the healing meetings, the different buildings and the things that you run, the ministry that helps people who need a bit of food or clothes. Um, at this um, Bible college, I was able to attend when I was in a very rough turning point in my life and I was able to attend that because they gave me a job um, so I could pay my way through it and I had such support from people and specifically a person there took me into their home and my life a testimony to that because um, I'm now off drugs, I have hope, I have a husband, a daughter. So I just wanted to say these things that 
people like Margaret Court get up and running is life-changing to so many. Well, Tess, wonderful to hear from you. And, uh, Margaret, what are your thoughts for Tess? I think, Neil, it'd be lovely for you, for her to give her test to me one day on this uh, radio station because she has the most awesome testimony of uh, how she came out of drugs and how she came in and heard the Bible school, uh, heard the Word of God every day and how Bible school changed her life, how she had people around her that loved Donna and helped her when things weren't weren't right and uh, an awesome young lady now and, and happy in life and I, I saw where she came from. It's just lovely to hear her voice this morning and um, I'll tell Pastor Anne Tess that uh, you were on there so really appreciate you calling and keep praying, keep staying in the Word of God because it will keep your life strong all the days of your life. Tess, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate you calling in and uh, those sorts of wonderful stories. We do hear lots of testimonies, but what I'll do is I'll put you on hold, Tess, and we'll take your details and we might be able to follow up and we might not get a chance to talk until the new year, but I'll put you on hold and uh, I'll see if we can get your details in just a few moments. Uh, Margaret, let's come back to this five-story prayer tower because it's going to make a statement in the city of Perth and the fact that we're talking about it has the potential for it to make a statement right around Australia because this is something that uh, really, well, some people will say, why do you build a five-story prayer tower uh, when it's the people who are doing the praying? But this is really a stake in the ground that says prayer is important, God is important, and this is a very much a part of our Christian walk. But it doesn't happen overnight, does it? Take us back to some early days, because while your church is a big church and you can contemplate doing big projects when you're a big church, it wasn't always a big church. Uh, you and Barry, you went through some pretty tough times and lean times in those early days. That's right. And, uh, you know, when I felt that I was <clears throat> called to start a, a church, you you are a woman in a man's world. There's not very many probably women on one hand just about across the nation that are, are senior pastors of, of churches. And, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. You, you go to anything, there was no other senior women uh, at it. And uh, we started in the little hall, just, you know, putting chairs out and bringing the equipment in and the sound equipment. And like a lot of churches started, we... We we didn't have anything, and uh, we started to do that, and we started to see uh, miracles and healings and people's lives changing, and it started to grow, and we started a, a healing school, which we still have uh, running uh, th- uh, four days a week. We have an overcoming addictions program, and, you know, we started with all these these areas of helping community and loving on people and just like Tess, seeing their, their lives change, and uh, it started to grow. And we still do the same today, but on a larger scale. And, uh, uh, you know, prayer has always been such a key to that. We would have a prayer meeting and come together in prayer, and actually the whole church started out of a prayer meeting. And I think that's why prayer is always such an uh, important part of our our ministry, because uh, that's how it, it started, and 
uh, that's how we we uh, came together and just started to pray and <clears throat> saw God starting to do things and um, then we outgrew our first building and uh, we had to move out and we uh, went into the showgrounds into a building there for 12 months and then uh, we've been in our building here now uh, in Osborne Park for 21 years and uh, it's it's grown and we, we've seen the Bible school and international Bible school and we have Bible schools in uh, about 12 nations overseas now and we're in about 20 nations with our missions and so out of just a, a vision and prayer and praying and standing on the word of God and uh, expecting God to do, that's what faith is, expecting God to do what he said he would do in his scriptures and operating in the gifts of the spirit, uh, we've seen manifested uh, what we do. I, I didn't know what I was doing now. I just did it. What I, I didn't know anything about apostolic or a prophetic too much in those early days. And I just felt this is what God was calling me to do and, and uh, follow after peace and pray. And I'd seem to get just a knowing in my spirit man because we are a spirit we live in a body and we have a soul and when you give your heart to Christ he comes to live in your human spirit that's the side of man when you you die either to be absent from the body and you either go to heaven or hell and uh, so he comes to live within us when we give our heart to him that's why that name of Jesus is, is so powerful so important and uh, so you, you learn all these things and a lot of it sometimes is hit and miss but you know, you start to get a little bit more accurate as you grow in the things of God. And Margaret, we're going to take a break and go to news, and we'll continue our conversation after Vision National News. Uh, Margaret, before we continue on, let me just uh, get a little context here, because your five-story prayer tower is a part of a major redevelopment that you're doing for the whole church. Uh, give us a little picture of what's going to be happening uh, for the whole church with this redevelopment. Well, uh, Neil, you know, we were looking at uh, one time uh, doing the prayer tower separately, but we're we've found that uh, we can put it right sort of near the entrance uh, of our church. Uh, there's room enough there because the auditorium uh, holds about um, 800, 850. Uh, so we're extending that to 1,800. And so we'll widen it and we'll uh, lengthen it. And it, uh, we can still stay in it. We don't have to move out. Uh, and so we'll be able to just do it bit by bit as the finances and everything is there to do it. So, uh, and the prayer tower will be uh, separate. We won't have to go into the main building, but it'll be a part of the building. So, uh, um, you know, that's an, and the five story is that we'll, that we have a nice, a great view from it and it'll have a room of about where there's a hundred people, but also there'll be another where there'll be a cubicle where people like to pray on their own, uh, that sort of thing. And we'll probably also have a, a floor in there for one of our, our Bible school classes. Um, so it'll, it'll be used. Uh, it's not just going to sit there and it'll have a lift in it. And, uh, you know, so we're just putting it all together, but the plans are there for it. 
And the significant thing, of course, is that it reinforces in church life the importance of just how important it is to pray. Margaret, let's come back to a little bit of tennis because we haven't talked much about tennis. It's been a little while since you were out on the court and picking up the racket. Uh, you don't do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, special games with people these days. A little bit of coaching, as I understand it, with some of your grandchildren. And there is something special, too, on the horizon because uh, you have a nephew who is about to launch a Margaret Court Tennis Academy. Give us a little insight into what's happening with the Court family and tennis. Uh, well, Margaret Court Tennis Academy, Neil, has been going for many years in Albury, in my hometown. Uh, my nephew there, who who played a lot, played very good tennis himself, and he also coached Sam Groth and uh, quite a few top players. Has had a lot of the... Uh, state juniors and national junior champions and over the years and been doing it for probably the the last 20 years or even longer. Uh, but they have the Margaret Court uh, Academy there and every January has children come in from all over the world. There's a team coming from uh, Canada this year, South Africa. Uh, they come from uh, um, Asia, from Malaysia, uh, and they have about nearly 500 children come in. So I'm going over there in January. I haven't been there for about five years, so I'm going over there to to open it, and we've got to go for it to a wedding in Sydney. So that's where I'll be going in January, and it's always good to go back to my hometown because I still have a lot of family there. And uh, so he, he just he's like a Pied Piper with children. He's a wonderful a young man, and he's a very good coach. And it'll be called the Margaret Court Tennis Academy, or it already is that, but being it launched in a bigger that, way. Yeah. And, of course, we know that your name is still on Margaret Court Arena in the Melbourne Tennis Centre, and uh, let's hope it continues to be there, I might say. Uh, but to, so far as the Australian Open that's coming up, of course, Serena Williams, she'll be on her way to Australia, and she is almost at a point where she could equal your all-time record of 24 Grand Slams. Uh, is that something that you uh, are ever concerned about? How do you think of uh, perhaps even your record uh, being equaled and then potentially sometime in the future <coughs> even falling? What are your thoughts, Margaret? Well, probably she's the only person, uh, I think, uh, in my lifetime that probably could do it. Um, uh, you know, I don't think anybody will ever break the overall because I have 62 grand slams. That's with singles, doubles, and mixed. But the singles one was always there to be broken. I think Fedra would have liked to have done that too. And I think, you know, that's that's her goal. Um, and, you know, she's coming to Perth here for the Hopman Cup, but I'm going to be in uh, uh, Sydney for a wedding and then in Albury, so I won't be here. But... Um, uh, you know, uh, it'll depend. There's good young ones coming through. She is 37. Um, so, I mean, you know, it'll just... She doesn't seem to play a lot. I I don't know how um, she does that, not playing a lot of tournaments. I think <clears throat> match fitness to me is very, very important. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, Serena is her aggressiveness, uh, her statue, 
Uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of young people used to be like that. Uh, even with myself, you know, before they went on the court, they were beaten because I was a very good athlete, and and they used to say that to people. I, I'm going to lose, uh, you know, before you go on. You 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 can't do that, and uh, so it'll, it'll be a, an interesting season and how long she keeps playing, I think. And, of course, Serena had a baby, and this was your experience too. When you had children, uh, you made a comeback, and uh, your tennis didn't suffer so much. You went on to win more tournaments. Uh, How do you feel about, uh, you know, Serena? Well, here she is, um, a mother, and uh, she's making a comeback. Well, I think, you know, I was the first to do that, and uh, I didn't know. I lost to Wimbledon one year and I was three months pregnant. I wondered why my coordination and timing so uh, so I laughed because my son often says, Mum I, I, you won the final of the French and I was in you and then you were in the Wimbledon final and I lost uh, and didn't know what was quite wrong with me. Uh, so he's been, he always says, well I've been on the centre court at Wimbledon and uh, you know I then went on and went back and after after having, I was probably uh, quite a bit younger than her, uh, and I know Yvonne Gulagong was and Kim Kleisters. We all we all had children, but I found I pro- probably played some of my uh, best tennis. I think the thing you have to watch. Uh, I went back after the second one, and uh, I had calf muscle problems, and Yvonne Gulagong had the same. I think it's the injury thing that that. Uh, you have to watch and I think you know she uh, is a little bit older than we all were Let me ask you too about prize money and we know that the prize money in your heyday was nothing like it is now as I understand it for the Australian Open tournament coming up in January, the prize money this year is something in the vicinity of $60.5 million, uh, equally split between the men's and the women's tournaments. Uh, it's mind-boggling, isn't it, the amount of money that tennis players make in the modern era? It certainly is, Neil. Uh, I mean, we uh, to win, I don't think we uh, even got you know, I don't think at any tournament I ever won. Either. I think my my back then was I won a TV classic, which was thirty thousand. Uh, and I mean, that's what they get lo- to lose in the first round, or even more now. Uh, so uh, we used to think back then, and we'll wonder when it's going to sort itself out. And uh, uh, you know, I, I look at it today; they are entertainers. But I, and I guess from my Christian side, I look and I, I see a world starving. I see the poverty, and I'm thinking, how can for playing tennis, something you love, and you're entertaining people, that for a week or two that you make that sort of money? I mean, it's it's just amazing, and it, it seems to be getting more and more, and uh, and we seem to be in a world that you know, is topsy turvy in some areas. And uh, I think uh, it's hard to believe. And, you know, I'm not, I've never been envious or anything of anything they have today. I think uh, they deserve it. You love it. You're entertaining. You're out there. But just with all the endorsements and everything they get today, it's just amazing. It's unbelievable the money they make to, to play something you love to do. 
Well, the amount of money in the game surely is illustrative of the popularity of tennis. And when you have such global popularity, pervasive everywhere, people who love tennis. And so along with that comes the role models uh, who are our tennis champions. And of course, uh, I know that uh, we've had some things to say about uh, tennis players in the past and perhaps uh, caused a little bit of a fiery, uh, a fiery uh, uh, backlash on some of those things. But there is a certain role model that is necessary at the top of any sort of elite sport. And, and really, role models at the top of tennis, these are called for as well, aren't they? They are. And I think I'd love to see some of the, uh, I think some of that money going back into the grass, the roots of the game, because uh, particularly with the country children and that, tennis has really slackened off in a lot of a lot of errors and uh, areas and in particularly country areas and, uh, you know, coaching and uh, a child has to pay $60 if they wanted a private lesson or, uh, you know, and, and it costs quite. So you, you're not getting uh, some of the children who were perhaps hungry, you know, we, we just, it was two shillings, I think, you know, um, back in my time, 50 cents to go and play in a group. I mean, you can't do that today. And a lot of your young ones that are bits of rebels or out there, they can't buy a racket or they can't uh, play. And, and so, you know, there's so many sports today, but I think it'd be good to put it back into promoting. They used to have tennis in schools and a lot of that's all gone now. It's a lot of uh, sort of the football, the soccer, uh, they've taken over a lot of it. And uh, tennis, I think a lot of the coaches do it pretty hard. Um, and it'd be good to see them, some of the, the grassroots of the game, uh, going back into the children, particularly country areas, because we're all from country areas, all our champions. And they suffer <clears throat> with everything that's happened because it's going into prize money, so much of it. Well, we have been talking about the redevelopment that's happening in Perth and the construction that is due to begin next year for a five-storey prayer tower. And uh, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from another Esperance resident. Catherine is in Esperance. Hello, Catherine. Welcome along. Thank you, Neil, and good morning, Margaret. I just Hello, want to Catherine. say, Margaret how much you're appreciated and what an inspiration you are. You've always put God first and just a God-given talent. But I wanted to thank you for the boldness that you show and your fearlessness and the way you're not intimidated and the way that you speak out in protection of people and particularly the children. And I just wanted to tell you to keep on and you just what a powerful ministry it is. And God bless you. And that Prayer tower will go ahead, and it will be a great thank you, Catherine, and inspiration for us right across the country. And thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Catherine. Appreciate that. Catherine from Esperance, thank you for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You could leave a note on our Facebook page too, facebook.com forward slash vision radio, as Lindsay did. And Lindsay said, Margaret, good morning. Margaret's brother-in-law, Ken, is assisting our fellowship to building our new first church in Denmark. 
It must be something in the water. So clearly you've got family members uh, who are doing all sorts of good things in WA. Uh, yes, I think the uh, because my uh, husband Barry and uh, his brothers and dad, they're, you know, I think uh, they're Christians and Sir Charles, he pioneered Western Australia and the court family have always been uh, known here and... Uh, they do do a, a quite a lot behind the scenes, and he is doing that down there. Yet they they help in schools and uh, helping there in the church down there in Denmark. Yeah, they they do their part. They don't go looking for the publicity side or anything else. They just do a whole, whole lot behind the scenes. They're a really good family. Let's take another call. Chris is on the line from Victoria. Hi, Chris. Welcome along. Uh- Good day, Neil and Margaret. Yeah, I just want to say um, the reason Australian tennis is in the doldrums at the moment, Margaret, is because God is uh, honouring the Abrahamic covenant over you. You know, they He says He would bless those who bless us and curse those who curse us. And I think young Ash Barty could have done a lot better. Um, she could have won a, won a lot more titles if she, you know. But she was with the, the lady Casey, who you know was the one that offended you. So um, once she uh, partnered with another lady i think uh, god might have honored the other lady rather than even ash so that's want to i want to say that and also when this prayer tower goes up um you know we should pray for our prime minister that god will you know bless him uh, and and sort of like curse those who curse him and also um as he tries to protect children like you know like yourself um that uh, god will put millstones around the neck of all those who try to stop him Controversial comments there, Chris. A response from you, Margaret? Well, I think uh, a lot of people are praying for our Prime Minister. He's a very good man. He's a very family man uh, and a man of integrity. And I think uh, we do have a a wonderful leader at the moment. And uh, you just pray and I pray that that Australia gets behind him because they won't be disappointed with him. And I think he will make some right decisions for the future of the nation as long as his team around him uh, stand with him. And I think uh, particularly, uh, you know, with the tennis side of it, I think, you know, it's wonderful to see Ash Barty uh, playing well. And, uh, you know, I wish her all the best. And and she's got some potential there. And I think she will go quite a long way in the game. Thanks so much to Chris for your call today and we'll draw a line under any calls. Uh, Just a few minutes remaining in our conversation, Margaret, and as we're talking about the redevelopment uh, of your church in Perth and the five-storey prayer tower, uh, growing as you are, and of course I mentioned in the introduction a little earlier, 70 churches connected uh, with Victory Life around the world and things just keep getting bigger and bigger they keep on growing i mean this is a very exciting thing that it's not just your church in perth but throughout wa and around the world things have been going from strength to strength well they have and a lot of those churches in other nations have a lot of churches under them also so i don't know in number how many churches would be really connected with us all around the world but uh, uh you know we're very apostolic uh, governmental um, work and uh, uh, you know I, I teach because the word of God changed my life so much Neil and faith and 
learning about the love of Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel. And uh, I love sharing the gospel and how the Word of God is alive and living today. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever as it was from the beginning, it is to now. And uh, even even many churches have moved further away from the Word of God. But when you get that inspiration of the Holy Spirit and it starts to come alive in you, uh, you know, you you want everybody to know it, and uh, you 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 want that gospel to go forth because somebody shared it with me, and I knew when I gave my heart uh, to die, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And you know what? When you have the reality of Jesus, you want everybody to have it. You think you don't want anybody going to hell. And uh, I think you know that's the wonderful thing about it is the love of Christ he heals today you can renew your mind and have peace of mind and and you can know his presence and his love here and uh, you know I feel that's where my passion is I feel uh, you know it has to come again uh, for people to know the, the reality of it and you only got to look at creation out there we didn't come from a an ape or a uh, and then, you know, I don't like the children learning that. And you think if God is so real, you just want everybody to have it, Neil. And we've got to keep working, uh, hand to the plough, and doing what we're called to do, as you're doing with your husband, Barry, at the head of uh, what is now a very significant organisation, the Victory Life Churches, and the redevelopment that's going to start midway through next year, part of that, uh, that five-storey prayer tower. And uh, appreciating here too, Margaret, that this is not a conversation today about fundraising or anything, but uh, let me ask you the question, uh, how much money do you need to do this redevelopment and uh, no doubt God's given you wonderful people within church life uh, but uh, obviously this is something that you know let's mention is there a particular value on what you need to raise well everything we're doing is going to be around the five million mark and uh, you know where we'll we will start with the prayer tower before we uh, do the other so we're we're looking at that in the 700,000 mark with the prayer tower so, you know, it all co- costs money to do, but, you know, God's always provided for us. And with our uh, community, we put out 25 tons of food a week, and we have a building there uh, now. You know, we're, we're feeding so many families a week, and we have two big freezers. And, you know, people have blessed us. And a man, one, uh, a refrigeration man came, and he said, I see what you do here for community because we, we don't get any government support or anything else like that. And he said, I've got a big freezer there at my, my company. And he said, I'd like to put that in for you. And so we've got another really big freezer. And, and you know, that side of it's just grown. We've got another outlet in Quinan or another one in Forest Field. So, uh, you know, you just keep thanking God and and Neil, things start to happen, and finance comes, and uh, you know that's how it's been. And, and you know you've got to have the gift of faith, and and faith, and uh, just trust God, and that God lays it on people's hearts. And really, that's what it's all about. And then you, I just want to see my nation saved. And uh, you know, you keep, I think, looking at God and thanking Him, and you start to see things turn around. 
Well, Margaret Court, always such a pleasure to get your insights. It's going to be a huge year, 2019, with the new redevelopment of what you're doing in church life in Perth, and it makes a huge statement to have a five-storey prayer tower. And uh, let me just say, uh, Victory Life Church, uh, for those who are in Perth, and as I have said before, uh, they ought to be, uh, they ought to have you uh, employed on the tourism for WA because anyone visiting uh, the West is going to want to come and visit Victory Life Church and they're going to want to see you speak, Margaret Court. So, but thank you so much for sharing some thoughts and some time with us today. Uh, to you and your husband, Barry, uh, the happiest and holiest of Christmases for you. And, uh, that's our prayer and that's our, our hope for your Christmas this coming Christmas season. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Wonderful speaking with you again. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.